Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online by going to gracelife.church. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the gracelife.church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Grace Life. How are you guys doing? So good to see you. Want to welcome the guests, especially glad to have you guys worshiping with us today. Man, who's excited for what God's doing in their lives? Anybody? I'm just in that mood today. Just wake up thinking about what God's doing in my life. And I I don't know, I'm just so glad to be alive and to get to be used by him and do what he's doing. So that was for free. It's not my notes, not not even what we're talking about. But uh, uh, so, hey, I want to go ahead and, and also remind you right after our third service today is first step. So if you are new to Grace Life, if you're wondering, is this the church for you? If you just want free lunch, free child care, Chipotle, and you get to use the guacamole spoon yourself for free. That's pretty cool, right? I uh, just want to invite you to come on back and we'll talk about who we are, what we believe, why we do what we do, and all of those good things. And uh, hey, even if you're not new to Grace Life and you've just never come to First Step, never a better day. Never a better day, especially if you're a Panthers fan. No need to go home and watch that game. Just... <laughs> It's really bad because I'm a Panthers fan, and I've got a staff member who's a 49ers fan, and so it's just been a really hard week. That's all I'm going to say about that. So, uh, uh, hey, everybody, we're kicking off a new series today. It's a short series, three weeks. This is something that we do every year, usually right about this time of the year, and, and it's focused on global outreach. And if you notice the, the G.O. behind me, you may think I'm telling you all just to get on out of here. Just go. No, it's, it's G-O for global outreach. We've, we've got a lot of stuff we call go around here, and people always think we're telling them to just leave, and that's not it at all. Uh, the reason for this is because we need a reminder. The truth is we, we need it more than once a year of the very reason we're on planet Earth. We, we need to be reminded of what we are here to do. And so one of the things I want to do as we're kicking off the series today is I want to call your attention to what you hopefully did not sit on but was on your chair when you came in. And I'm not going to read all of this to you, but this is so that you can celebrate what you have done as a church. And so I just want to call your attention to two pages in it. If you will, flip to about uh, four and five. I believe four and five is where it is. And for those of you not not turning with me because, you know, you're the cynic or, or you're just a bad kid. I don't know what it is. Come on, man. Pick up your paper. Anyway, I'm just kidding. Check this out on page four and five right here. Grace Life, look what you've done. $261,000 given to missions in the last year. The last 12 months. You see, here's the thing. We have a parking lot need right now of about $300,000. That would be amazing to use to just pay cash for our parking lot, wouldn't it? But here's something that every one of us needs to know. Not not just us as a church, but us as individuals in our families. And that is that God is always doing something bigger than just us. And we need to believe in something more than what we're doing. So at the same time that we're saying, hey, pray about giving to the parking lot, we're turning around and giving away as much to missions as might solve some of our own problems. It's a really good way to run your home. It's called tithing, and that actually is what we do. We set aside the first 10% and sometimes more to make sure that it goes outside of these walls. It goes outside of our property. It goes outside of our staff. It goes outside of what we want to do to see what God would do through it. And so people like Mike and Faith and other things you're going to hear about over these next two weeks that you're a part of. What's really cool is uh, we got to spend a few hours yesterday, the elders and their wives, with one of our global outreach partners in Jerusalem. Happens to be preaching at another church in South Carolina this morning, so he was able to swing through Columbia and to hear what God is doing in Israel through you. 
and you don't even know it. And, and, and it's happening all around all the time. I, I would have to literally just stand up here and give you a report every single week of what you are doing through things like your missions giving. So here's the cool part. Every time you give here, you're making a difference in ways you won't know until you get to heaven. And somebody walks up to you and says, hey, I used to live in Jerusalem. And because of you. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy to think about what you're doing. So I don't know about you, but I'm glad that we're doing that because I'm glad that in, in heaven, somebody is going to thank me for something I didn't even know that I was doing. I was simply a part of Grace Life. And then if you will turn back a page, go backwards in your book. I know we're not supposed to read that direction, but I'm gonna, we, what we wanted to do was go ahead and give you a heads up on what's going on next year. There are some things we do every single year that you can go ahead and mark your calendars. The first one is every year at Easter, we go to the village of Sand Hill the day before and invite as many people as we can. We use this idea of an Easter egg hunt. And everybody, every year, somebody sends me an email. Pastor, you know, Easter bunnies and eggs aren't very spiritual. Of course they're not. It's not the spiritual people I'm trying to bring to church on Easter. They're already coming. So there you go. Don't send me that email next year. Serious. Anyway, so April 11th, go ahead and mark your calendar. Be a part of that. We, we actually have, have gotten so successful with that that we have people standing around watching each other. So we're going to go for, for gold next year. We're going to go to more than one location. We're going to run more than one Easter egg hunt. So we're going to need all of you involved. You can see our summer of serve. Every year we go from Memorial Day to Labor Day to do projects all around the city to see what we can do to make a difference. Each month during that time period, we are collecting things to give to organizations to help you guys did amazing this year and then every year we just started this past week how many of you braved the storm and the lightning and you went out Thursday night anyway come on and you, you gave out those bags man it was crazy our kids were they were so mad when the lightning came they were like we want to go give out bags and, and the lightning went away for a little bit and we risked it we were just like okay Jesus you're gonna have to help us here and we went out giving out bags door to door and, and people would they would actually try to put candy in those bags did y'all notice that we're like no 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 this is for you. And they're like, they, they don't know what to do. It, it's, it's awesome. And so we start at Halloween. In 55 calendar days, there are three major holidays every single year. You've got Halloween, you've got Thanksgiving, you've got Christmas. And you'll be hearing more in the coming weeks about what we're doing for Thanksgiving and then what we're doing for Christmas. But just go ahead and be prepared for that. We also want you to know about some trips that we know now that we're taking. There may be additional trips added to this list, but we are taking a team to Slovakia. We are taking a trip to Israel, which you're going to hear a lot about in two weeks. Don't miss that. It's going to be super cool. Taking a trip to Haiti, taking a trip to the LA Dream Center. We know all of those are already in existence. We may be doing more. And so on Sunday, January 26th, mark your calendars to come here for a meeting to find out how you can be a part of one of those. And so, uh, wow, God is doing a lot through Grace Life. I'm not going to read the rest to you because our, our creative team went through a lot of work, namely Suzanne. If y'all see Suzanne, give her a handshake or a pat on the back. She, she did a lot of work, and I'm going to leave it for you to read. And if I read it to you, you won't do that. So take that home. All right. And so our theme for this year, if you look on the cover of that, is God's heart. Every single year when we do a global outreach series, I ask God, what, what do you want us to, to focus on? What do you want this to be about this year? And so uh, what I feel God's called us to this year is in three weeks to hopefully see our hearts move to be more like God's heart. So I'm going to go ahead and ask a really tough question. Usually I start out with something lighthearted and I save the hard thing for the end. So it's going to be scary if I start out this, this deep. Just wait for the end. It's going to be deep. Anyway, here we go. Here's the deep question for you. How many of you would say that your heart is very close to God's heart? 
I, I didn't expect I'd see many hands for that. You may be able to say that your heart is close to God's heart in, in an area. Maybe you really, really love to pray, and you're up at 3 o'clock in the morning. We do have some people in this church that are like that. They're our intercessors, and they're, they love to pray. I had a lady walk in the door just a few minutes ago, called me in the hallway and said, Hey, Pastor, how can I pray for you? And she is serious because she will do it, and she will do it no matter how long the list is because she has a heart to pray. And there are many of us that can say, Okay. I think that her heart and some other people's hearts for prayer kind of matches God's heart for prayer because God really wants us to seek after him. Got a friend of mine in the church who, uh, when, I, when I was talking with him several years ago, uh, went out to dinner and, and he said, look, I, I just want you to know what God's called me to do. My, my calling is to be a paymaster for the kingdom. And, and he's, he looks for opportunities to give really large amounts of money to build the kingdom of God. It's just what he wants to do. He's like, what can I do? to help God's kingdom grow on the earth. God gave me money so that I could advance his kingdom. He gets it. And so then he keeps getting more money. Uh, by the way, free sermon on money. You wonder why God would give somebody more money when that guy keeps giving more money back to God. It's kind of like God's going to go, oh, your heart for money matches my heart for money. Your heart for building my kingdom matches my heart for building the kingdom. No surprise there. Can't fancy right here. It, try to offend this man try to do it you can't do it because he will forgive you for something he did I mean he's just like and and I think you, he, he would be able to say or at least we'll say it about him because he won't we would say that his heart for keeping the peace matches God's heart for keeping the peace right so the question is is does our heart in any area match God's heart I, I get to do a, a little bit of traveling and when I do when I'm in airports I'm I'm baffled a little bit as I watch people, and, and something just kind of touches me when I, I'm sitting in an airport, because if you've, if you've flown, if you're one of those people, people are incredibly busy, even when they're stuck for hours waiting on planes, there's just, there's, and there, there's just so much activity and, and so much busyness, you know, and people are so intense that they've got to get somewhere, because they've got something to do, and it, I just look at this, and I think, what does God think when he looks down at all of us? You know, we probably look like ants, just like scattering everywhere. We got so much to do and so intent on, on accomplishing that. And I think, wonder if, if even a fraction of these people have an eternal purpose to their busyness. Like, do, they're just going about life. Do they even realize there is a God in heaven? And he created every single one of them to do something significant and purposeful. And do they even get that? Now, here's the thing. When I get back home, I don't see people that way. That, that's my confession. When I have time sitting in an airport and I'm, I'm just kind of awakened to other cultures and people and seeing all these different people and I've got nothing to do for myself for an hour, you know, waiting on my plane and I'm just staring. But I get back home and the people around me, suddenly I, I don't see them with the same question because now they're my waiter or they're my waitress or they're my mechanic or, or they're the bank teller that I just wish would go a little quicker because I've been in the line and I, like cars beside me. Or That happened to me this week, by the way. I always, I don't make up stuff. I just tell you what's been happening in my life. And it, it was really frustrating to me that I, I picked the shortest line and three cars that came after me left before me. And, and I'm not really in the mood to look at the bank teller and say, can I talk to you about Jesus? I, I'm like, can you speed up? 
And don't you have a calculator? I mean, you're not doing this like with an abacus in there, are you? Like, what is happening here? Anyway, the question is, does our heart match God's heart? And so what I want to share with us today, hopefully, is that we begin to see God's heart for the people around us. And uh, I just think this is something that's so important that we've got to get. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 15. If not, don't worry, it's going to be right here on the screen. And we're going to start at the very beginning of this chapter. And uh, the, Jesus is hanging out with some people and getting in trouble for it. Don't y'all love that? Jesus getting in trouble. I don't know. I mean, somebody needs to go back in time and say, y'all really shouldn't be fussing at Jesus. But they did anyway. So here we are. Chapter 15, verse 1 says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled. So just real quick, going to pause and make sure we understand that. The Pharisees were the leaders of one of the religious groups. So they were the people that dressed the dress. They, 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 they looked religious coming down the road. You could tell exactly who they were. And they thought they were the most holy people in the whole nation of Israel. They thought they were the stuff, right? And then the scribes were the people who would teach you the law. They would say, well, now let me tell you what the law says. A little similar to what I'm doing today. They would be the ones to try and preach and try to explain to you what the Word of God said. So we've got the really religious feeling people, the religious acting people, the religious looking people, and then we've got the, the religious teachers. And so they're grumbling and they say this, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. Oh my gosh, kind of thing like that. But what we see from the very beginning is Jesus is getting in trouble for revealing God's heart for people. Jesus is getting in trouble for actually saying, look, you know what? God has a heart toward these sinners. So Jesus, knowing that they are sitting here making fun of him and grumbling and complaining and judging him, he turns to them and he tells them a story. He tells them a parable. And so here's what he says. He says, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So first of all, we, before we dig deeper into the meaning, the surface meaning is very, very clear. He is pointing at those Pharisees because they think they are religious leaders who need no repentance. They believe they follow the law so perfectly and they do everything so right that God should thank them for who they are. That, that was their opinion of themselves, incredibly arrogant, incredibly proud, because there truly could never be a person who needs no repentance, right? Right? So why would Jesus even say that? Because that's who they thought they were. And what Jesus is saying to them is like, you think you're special? You think God is like up in heaven rejoicing over you? Let me tell you the truth. God in heaven will rejoice more over one of these people I'm eating with if they come to know him than all of you put together with all of your attitude and all of the way you're dressed and all of the ceremonies you follow. It, it, all of that, just one of these. If, if just one of these. And he goes on to tell them a second parable, making the exact same point. Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? 
And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me. Sound familiar? For I have found the coin that I lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And look, we can easily be in danger of the exact same thing that the religious leaders were doing. And that is to think we're the good kids. I'm just going to be honest. It is very easy for us to drive down the road sometimes and think, man, they just need to get their act together. They just really need to get saved. They should, they, they should go to church. What's their problem? And we think, well, we're the good kids. We're the ones in church on Sunday mornings. We're the one God looks down and goes, oh, my favorites. <laughs> and we, we think that. Well, the truth is all of God's children are his favorites. I'll preach that sermon another day, and it'll be true. But, but we tend to think that God likes us better than them. And, and we can even look down upon them and, and think, they, 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 they have the same chance I do. I mean, there's a church on every corner, y'all. We live in the Bible Belt. They could go to one if they wanted to. It's not my fault that they're one of those people. And it's very easy for us to start acting just like them. But do, do I have any parents in the room? Parents? Come on, somebody, parents? Tell me if this statement's true. There is no pain like kid pain. Is that true? No pain like kid like pain. Look, I've got four children. And I love my four children. I love all of them. And, and I would be happy to just, like, hang out with one of them at any point in time. If one of them is having a difficulty, if one of them, something is just not quite going right, that one gets the extra attention. And, and you know, if you're a parent, you've noticed at that point the other children think that that makes that one the favorite. It doesn't make that one the favorite. It's called no pain like kid pain. When one of your kid is, is physically hurt, you don't pick up all four of them. You pick up that one. When one of your kid has a broken heart, you don't hug all four of them. You hug that one. When one of your kid is, kids, they're, they're going to stray a little bit, then you spend more time praying for that one. It's not because you want more for that one, but that one needs more prayer. At that moment. There is no pain like kid pain, right? It's true for God, too. There's no pain like kid pain for God. That's why the Bible says, look, God desires all people to be saved. And to come to the knowledge of truth, of who he is. And when God sees one of his lost children, he gets his attention. There's no pain like kid pain. I've been married for 23 years. I have four children, and I've seen my wife hysterical once. Once. We've been through a lot. We've, we've been through the death of a child. We've been through miscarriage of a child. We've been through financial difficulty. We've, we've been through a lot. We've been through things we couldn't predict how it was going to turn out. And yet only once have I seen her absolutely beside herself. And it was when we lost our two boys. We were on a vacation. We were right near a bunch of swimming pools. We were in a resort where there were tons of people, and it's easy to not notice little children. We were right by the beach. We were right by a construction zone because they were renovating part of it. And our two youngest boys were, were at that time just barely old enough to walk and get into trouble. And they absolutely vanished for a half hour. And my wife was absolutely hysterical. There is no pain like kid pain. And that's what God sees when he looks down and knows what his purpose is for those people out there. The ones that Jesus was hanging out with. The ones that he expects us to be hanging out with. Look, there is more joy over one than over 99. I, listen, I'm going to hurt your feelings, but this is the truth. Right now, come on. There's going to be like a thousand and something of us coming together to worship today. 
And, and when we come in here and, and they kick off worship, and I mean, we, we are worship's pretty good, I think. You know, we sing all right notes. We do it in tune. God says, make a joyful noise. We make a good joyful noise. Like, you know, we, we really do. And, and, and we're like, come on, God, look at, look at us. And all the angels of heaven are looking down at the, the thousand or so of us and going, golf clap. Oh, that's sweet. But every week, every week, at least one person gives their life to Jesus here. Sometimes four, sometimes five, sometimes more. It's, it's just so awesome to be a part of that. And so if you can just imagine all of heaven, we all come in here, we're all like shaking hands. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing so good. I'm singing. I'm raising my hands in worship. Some of you are like, I'm raising my hand for the first time. Angels should love me. And they're all looking up going, and then at the end of the service, when one person checks that card, I am making Jesus my king, and they walk over to somebody in the connection area and say, pray with me and give me a Bible. The angels in heaven go, yeah! And you think you're something. We need to not forget God's heart for the lost. That's why Jesus wasn't hanging out here. And you want to know the truth? If Jesus came back right now, he wouldn't be here. Because here doesn't need him. He wouldn't be here. No, don't, don't stop coming here because we as believers need to learn what God has called us to do. And unless you've got the Bible memorized, you're not exempt from next week. Just, that's just how that works. There's a purpose to this. I'm just saying let's not lose sight of thinking that this makes us like the Pharisees. We're the special ones. Heaven rejoices over us singing songs. I mean, it, listen, God loves worship. And I'm not trying to downplay any of that. But Jesus is the one that said, there is more rejoicing in heaven over the one who gets saved. Look, some of you are feeling really neglected and your feelings are all hurt. So let me just bring this in perspective. There was a day when you made Jesus your king. And that was the day for you that the angels went, yeah! And it ain't today. You see? Because the day that you make Jesus your king, you enter the kingdom of God. And you know what that means? You no longer cause God that kind of kid pain. Now, you might cause him another kind of kid pain, and parents understand exactly what I'm talking about. And God's like, man, come on, just do You heard the dude on Sunday morning. What's your problem? Just Okay, so we, we may cause God another kind of kid pain, but we don't cause him that kind of kid pain. The kind where he looks and he sees someone going completely the opposite direction from him. When he sees someone who, who is actually his child, but they would say, I don't believe my father exists. They would say, I'm not sure that my father's a good father. They would use the word God instead of father. But he's up in heaven as their father, and there's no pain like kid pain. And that's what we want to, to get today. Let me share with you what God's heart is for those out there. There's a reason that we gave almost $300,000 out there this year. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You get that? God so loved the world. And when you read that, you may think, oh, that means he loves like planet Earth. And it means he loves his creation upon the earth. He loves his children. That he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 
And the question for each of us, if that's God's heart for the lost, is it yours? If that's God's heart, is it yours? If God was willing to give a son, and I just just want to stop and talk about that for a minute because I I talk to people and, and they don't grasp the depth of God gave a son. And sometimes the reason we don't grasp the depth of that is because we think it was less than real. And I don't mean that you don't think it was a real event. But I've heard people say like, Pastor, what do you mean God gave a son? I mean, he knew he was going to raise him from the dead a little bit later, and now they're in heaven together. A big deal. That's like sending my kid off to camp for a week. I know he's coming back. It's not a big deal. It's a very big deal. You need to understand that Jesus always was always is the bible tells us that when he came to earth at his birth at christmas that we're going to celebrate that was his incarnation that was him taking on human form but he had always been it's bad theology to believe that there never was a jesus and then suddenly there was a jesus that's not true nor does it line up with scripture so here's the deal jesus always was the father always was the spirit always was they always were together And in that moment, Jesus cried out from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We quite often don't understand what that means. You see, the Father had never felt separation from the Son. And the Son had never felt separation from the Father. But in order for you and I to be forgiven and to go to heaven, the sins that we would do have to be placed on Jesus legally. And we talk all the time about our separation from God. That's what sin does, separates us from God. That's why it's sometimes difficult for you to hear his voice because there's a separation. It is sometimes difficult for you to feel close because there is a separation. We still live in a broken world where there is still a degree of separation, even for those of us that are legally saved and going to heaven someday. But we're still here in a broken body with a broken soul in a broken world. Y'all follow that? And the sins that separate us were legally and experientially placed upon Jesus. And because of that, at that moment, Jesus couldn't be in fellowship with a perfectly holy father. And there was a rift between the two of them that had never existed in all of eternity. And for the first time, completely perfect community felt separation. And the father didn't feel the son because his son carried the sins of the world and the son felt not a fake feeling felt abandonment by the father because he had to be separated carrying the sins of the world he couldn't be considered holy and yet the father is perfectly holy and unholiness and holiness they don't go together that's what our problem is so when it says God gave his son 
was real. It wasn't poetic, it wasn't metaphorical, it was real. It was a real event, it was a real experience. And in that moment, it went one step further. Because the father's son, at this point in history, also shared a human body. And as Kent quoted over communion earlier today, Jesus chose of his own accord to set aside his divinity. Maybe you, you do something similar to this sometimes as, as an adult, if you arm wrestle a child, you choose not to break their arm because you could. You choose not to just slam it down because you could. And you choose to kind of smile and do it real slowly. You choose to not operate out of the fullness of a human strength. Well, Jesus chose to not operate out of the fullness of his deity. It didn't mean that he stopped being God. It just meant he chose to operate as a human filled with the Spirit of God to give you and me hope, not out of the power of God, by being God. So what that meant is his human body felt. His human body felt just like yours would. And so as he is emotionally feeling separation from the Father that he has never experienced, if you, if you can just imagine something you've never experienced, I mean, I, it, it's unfathomable because the only thing we can imagine is what we have experienced. And as he's feeling this separation and the Father's feeling this separation, now his physical body has to endure what was at the time and probably still to this day is the, the most painful way to kill a human. God gave a son. And I want to encourage you, don't, don't make light of those words. Because it hurt. It hurt Jesus. And it hurt the Father. It was an absolutely real pain. He gave a son. What will you give? If that was God's heart, and he was willing to do that for those out there. Not those in here. But those out there. What will you give? give money I'm not going to ask for any don't worry that'd be the easiest thing for you to give to be honest would you give time would you give energy how about this would you give concern again maybe you're like me maybe you can relate you go through the bank teller line and you only wish you would speed up and you don't think for one moment to take all that time, I'm just gonna be honest, I didn't think even once waiting in that line getting frustrated that I should maybe pray for her. Didn't cross my mind. When I was 22, I left college and I went to Romania and I had jet lag the very first morning and, and we had a half finished hotel on the very edge of the city. It was the last building and my room faced the opposite direction and so I got up no windows went out on this little balcony and I was awake before the Sun and I decided I would just just talk to God so as I'm sitting there on this little balcony looking out over just the fields I could see a village way in the distance and I'm I'm just sitting there and talking to God the Sun begins to come up 
and, and it, it looked a little like ants, to be honest. As the sun comes up, so do the people. And they all just started coming out to work the fields. And I watched these people who looked 70 and 80 and 90 years old walking out into a field with a sickle. I mean, they were, they were going to harvest. They didn't have John Deere's. And it just began to break my heart. Don't know why. It's not a bad thing. They had worked that way their whole lives. But just watching all of these people and my heart began to break for them. And it was at that moment God said, I want you to come back and give your life for these people. And so I did, and that's how I ended up in Romania and met my wife, for those of you that have always wondered how that went down. Because I saw. God gave me concern for people that normally I didn't have concern for. What will you see? Which raises the question, God gave his son, what will you give? God withheld nothing. What will you withhold? Because when it comes to the people outside these doors, we withhold a lot. We withhold mercy. We withhold grace. Because we can get a Pharisee style attitude ain't my fault they are the way they are they could come here too they're the ones rejecting God they deserve it funny thing is that wasn't the way Jesus treated them and we, we withhold concern care so I want to close with a challenge I told you it's only going to get deeper didn't I when I was in college, people used to talk a lot about the people they had led to heaven. Maybe it was just the way Christian talked back then. Everything goes and ebbs and flows and everything has a trend, right? Clothes have a trend and everything has a trend. And everybody was going around saying, hey man, I, I led John to the Lord today and, and John's going to be in heaven. That's another one. I, I'm going to lead 15 people to the Lord this year. And, and there was that kind of talk. And if I could just be honest, I hated it. Because I thought that they came across as arrogant. And I thought they were taking credit for stuff that wasn't theirs to take credit for. And the problem is I threw out the good with the bad. Because I don't hear anybody around me, and maybe it's my fault because I'm usually the leader in the room. I don't hear anybody in me talking about the person or the number of people or the name of someone that they are trying to help go to heaven my challenge for you is this decide that as long as it depends on you as long as you have anything to do with it that you will intentionally help someone go to heaven that you will intentionally be part of someone going to heaven I want you to think right now and name them right now Let's lay the arrogance aside. Can I help you with your theology? You can't send somebody to heaven because you cannot make a closed heart open. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Now with that behind us, you can soften a hard heart by how you act around them. You can quicken what God's going to do in their life by praying for them. You can be the one 
who gives the invitation that brings them somewhere that the Holy Spirit opens their heart and suddenly they enter the kingdom. You can be the one that shares a story of what God's done in your life that makes them so jealous they want it to and they cry out to God and say, help me. You can be used by God to change an eternal destiny. And so if, if anybody has followed my example and you have thrown out the good with the bad and you have stopped trying to lead someone by name into heaven and you have stopped thinking, you know, my, my neighbor Bob, man, as long as it depends on me, Bob is going to heaven with me. I want to challenge you to get a little bit of that anger, righteous anger. That I think God feels when he looks down at his children and sees the devil misleading him. I want you to get a little bit of, mm, 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 not as long as it depends on me. No, my boss, my boss is going to heaven with me. They, they act like Satan, but I tell you what, the best thing I can do ever do to them, I'm going to take them to heaven. Uh-huh, that's going to get them back for the way they treated me. That's, that's, yeah, come on, I don't care what your attitude is toward it, but let's get, let's get an intentional desire to be a part of someone's journey into heaven. Can you do that with me? Amen, let me pray for us. God, we come before you first of all and simply acknowledge we don't have your heart for those who don't know you. And God, we just say, forgive us. And we ask you to begin to change our hearts, turn our hearts toward you. God, make us people who, when we look at someone who doesn't know you, make us people who feel your kid pain. God, would you begin to soften our hearts enough that we would see those whose hearts are hard and that we would care. And cause us to be people who no longer care about what they think if we invite them to church or what they think if we say, can I pray for you? God, give us your heart for all of those who cause you kid pain. And turn our hearts to be more like yours. If you're just staying in a place of prayer, I want to talk to those of you that, well, you came here today, but the truth is heaven has yet to rejoice over you because you have yet to surrender the life you currently live for the one that God created for you, the one where he is on the throne instead of you. You have yet to understand or declare or agree with God that you need Jesus to be your Savior. And today I want to give you the opportunity to create the loudest shouts in heaven over you, over your name. So if you've never made Jesus your king and you want to do that right now, just pray something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And now I want to live for you. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that I'm forgiven. And my simple prayer here today is that you would fill me with your spirit and give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people, everybody. Amen. 
Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.